Uh, if we haven't met before, my name is James. I'm on staff here at the church. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open up to Proverbs uh, chapter 1, as that's where we're going to be uh, this morning. Now, I've, I've shared before that my plan in high school, um, kind of coming out of it, my, my career goal was to become a pharmacist because it was like, that's, that seemed like a pretty good job. I was good at the sciences. Um, so I, I, I remember I went down, I sat with an advisor and they're going, okay, here's, here's what you have to do in order to become a pharmacist. Here are the courses you're going to have to take. Here's how you get there. And so there was this career path that I would have to take in order to become a pharmacist. Now, obviously I'm I'm not a pharmacist. Um, I, I deviated along the way. But I remember as I was doing that, it was like there was a lot of planning and thought put into that career path. And we plan with intentionally, intentionality what we want to do. But I want to ask, have you ever sat down and, and really thought about who do you want to become? Where, where do I want to end up at the end of my life in regards to my, my character like, who do you want to be when you're older? Where do you want to end up? And so just like there are career paths that we take in life, I believe that there are character paths that we will take in life that shape us. And one of the things that most greatly shapes us are the people that we spend time with. I remember I was in high school, so my family, um, we, we drove down to Kentucky in the States because my sister was going to do uh, college down there, and so we dropped her off in late August. We went home, and she flew back at Christmas, and we're all happy to see her. But then she's, she's saying things like, y'all, and speaking with an American accent, and that wasn't there when we dropped her off in August, but come December, she, she's speaking funny. It's like, well, what's going on? It's like she'd spent time with, with all these people in, in Kentucky, and she kind of picked up on some of their uh, accent and the way that they talk. Now, maybe like some of you, you you're, you're here from Nigeria, the Philippines, other parts of the world, you, you find yourself saying things like a and a boot, and the Canadians are starting to rub off on you a little bit. But it's like people, they shape us. Now, I, uh, my, my wife, Shannon, and I, we supervised my son Seth's field trip at the end of the school year to the Royal, uh, or the Nova Scotia Royal International Tattoo. I've messed that up, but the tattoo. Um, and, and so uh, we, we had to get on a bus to go down to the Scotiabank Center, and it was uncomfortable because I remember buses being made uh, a lot bigger when I was little. Um, I just grew, and I don't fit in those seats well. But we're, we're driving downtown on the school bus, and I'm just kind of watching some of the, the kids and how they're interacting. And I mean, there was obviously like the cool kid in the class and, and people were kind of like gravitated around him and, and wanted to be around him. And I'm just watching how he's interacting with the other kids. And he was, he was mean. Um, he was rude. And then like, even to, to the teacher, he was very like disrespectful. She said, asked him to do something. And he was like, no. And I, I was just like, whoa. Um, and I, I, in my head, I'm going like, I hope that Seth, my, my son, doesn't try and spend time with this kid. Because like, I don't want him rubbing off on Seth. I don't want him kind of picking up on those uh, behaviors. He's not going to be a good influence. Now, when, when we're younger, it's our friends that we spend the most time with. And so um, they often speak into our lives. They influence us the most, um, more than many others. They help shape our character. And most of us probably remember our parents saying something like this to us, don't hang out with that person, or you shouldn't hang out with that person, because our parents thought they're, they're a bad influence. And maybe you're kind of in the age group where you're, 
your, your, your parents are saying that to you right now. Or maybe you are the parent going, like, I really don't want you to, to hang out with this, this kid. Now, I can remember because, like, um, believe it or not, your, your, your parents were once teenagers. They were once your age. And uh, as teenagers, we kind of go, you guys are dinosaurs. You don't understand this world that, that we're living in. It's just like, it's changed. You don't get it. And I mean, it, it has changed. That's true. I mean, I look at what the world my kids are growing up in and with technology and the access to things, I'm going, that's different than what I grew up in. But at the same time, it's like parents, we, we understand a thing or two. They, they understand more than you realize. And even if you're going like, I want to brush off what they're telling me about regards to relationships, we can't say that about God's word. We can't say that God doesn't understand because when we read his word, we're looking at the one and listening to the one who um, knows what is best at every time and in every place, that, that his wisdom, his knowledge, they're never out of date. They're never irrelevant to your life. And God's word is very clear. The wrong friends can wreck your life. And so we're in Proverbs chapter one, starting in verse 10. And you have King Solomon who's writing this. And he, 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 he writes about this young person who's kind of at this important moment in their life. They're making a decision that could affect the outcome of their life. And it's this, who are they going to spend their time with? And in these verses, Solomon's trying to prepare this young man for the, 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 the temptations that might come along with different people who will come along in his life. And Solomon kind of paints it like this. This young person is on the road of life, the path of life. And he's, he's kind of at this fork in the road and he's got to decide which way he's going to go, wisdom's way or folly's way. And, and the friends, the company that he's going to keep, that, that's going to have a huge impact on that. So Proverbs chapter one, verse 10 and following, it says, my son, if sinners entice you, don't be persuaded if they say, come with us, let's set an ambush and kill someone. Let's attack some innocent person just for fun. Let's swallow them alive like Sheol whole, like those who go down to the pit. We'll find all kinds of valuable property and fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we'll, sell, we'll all share the loot. And so Solomon's warning about the dangers of evil friends. And the first thing he says is that dangerous friends persuade through enticement. I, I was doing some reading um, for this, and in the United States, it was estimated in 2017 that there were 1.4 million gang members, and I'm not exactly sure how they got that information, like if they're having a census, like are you a gang member? Check. Um, I, I, hopefully they're wise or not to do that, but 1.4 million, and in that time, it's probably, in six or seven years, it's probably increased, I'm guessing. Now, the, the Department of Justice was saying the average age at which somebody joins a gang is age 15. Now, the re question is, why do people join a gang? And there's, there's different motivations. But here were the main reasons. There was a sense of belonging. The gangs often provide a sense of community where somebody feels accepted and valued. There was peer pressure and influence. And so it's kind of like this. If a young person's friends joined a gang, there was a good chance they were going to join a gang because they wanted to fit in. They wanted to belong, gain respect. There was protection and safety. And so joining a gang it was seen as a means of, of safety in a dangerous environment. 
There was economic opportunity, so in communities with limited uh, job prospects or economic resources, joining a gang was kind of a way, seen as a way of kind of increasing your your financial portfolio, that you, you could get rich quick, you could get some money. There was lack of positive role models. The absence of a positive adult uh, role model in a young person's life left this void. And so the gangs would come along and they would provide guidance, mentorship, and a sense of family-like support. And it's like, it, it sounds weird that gangs would offer this, but this was something that the young people were looking for and the gangs kind of offered it. There's identity and status that gangs often have a reputation for power, respect, and influence within the community. And finally, escaping difficult circumstances. That people would join a gang because they, they sought a, out of a way, as a way out of difficult circumstances at home, like maybe neglect or poverty or abuse. Now, as I read through these reasons that why young people would join a gang, it was kind of this reminder that God's word, it continues to speak and be relevant to our times. That, that, yeah, the times have changed, but people really haven't. Because in this proverb, what are these potential friends offering to this young person? Well, it's a, a lot of the things that the gang would offer to these youths. And so it's um, things that would entice many people today. And it is not just young people that it would entice, but it's like for, for some of us who are older, maybe have a few more gray hairs. These things can be things that we want because it's not necessarily um, the, the thing they're trying to do, but the, the need that they're offering that's meeting underneath. And so verse 11 and 14 the would-be companions, they offer community, a sense of belonging. Like nobody wants to be an outsider. And so the gang is going, come on, join us, be one of us. It's an invitation. In verse 11, they offer pleasure. And so I was like, y you feel like there needs to be more to life. And so like, come on, join us. You're going to escape the boring monotony. Maybe it's like, here's a sense of, of purpose for your life. And then verse 13 and 14, they offer opportunity or security and so this person can uh, get personal gain in regards to finances or, or possessions if they join them. And so they're, they're offering these things, community, pleasure, opportunities. And there's nothing wrong with those things. I mean, they, they're, they're things that were created by God and they're good, but the way they propose is not good. And so if somebody comes to you and is like, hey, we have a book club, I'd love for you to join. We're going to read the latest book and we're going to get together, have some food. I mean, nothing wrong with that. You enjoy it. There's, there's companionship there. There's belonging. Maybe you belong to a gym and there's, um, again, community within the gym. There's accountability and you're getting those personal gains as you, as you break your records. And so Solomon, though, he's going, you need to listen to what people are offering you and these potential friends, and how they propose what they might get. Because at every time and place, there's people who are going to try and entice others to join them in sin. Like, think about Genesis chapter 3. Satan comes to Eve in the garden. This is, this is pre-fall. And he, he, he tries to tempt her, lure her into disobeying God, and, and he promises gain. It's like, you're going to be like God. God's not giving you what's his best. Like he's holding out on you. He's keeping what's best for himself. And, and so he's like, if you eat of this tree, man, your life is going to be so much better. And she's like, but he, he said, like, there's going to be consequences if we eat of the tree. And what does Satan do? He kind of brushes them off. You, you won't surely die. And so Satan, he never tells us the true cost of sin. 
And in the same way, people rarely talk about the cost of sin. Like anybody, we, we all have friends that would try and entice us to do things when we were younger that we knew we shouldn't do, but none of them were like, listen, before we engage in this potentially illicit behavior, I'd just like to run down a list of possible consequences and side effects if we engage in this. And then I've got this waiver I'd like you to just initial because that way you're going to renounce any legal claims or rights should this all hit the fan and it goes wrong. Like your friends didn't do that. What, what did they say? Come on, it's going to be fun. You don't want to be left out. Let's go do this. Like this, this is what they would do. And in Proverbs chapter one, Solomon's going, it's enticing these things in the beginning and it looks good. But what they don't tell you about are the unspoken consequences of walking in sin, walking with these types of people. And so verse 15 and following, Solomon says, my son, don't travel that road with them or set foot on their path because their feet run toward evil and they hurry to shed blood. It is useless to spread a net where any bird can see it, but they set an ambush to kill themselves. They attack their own lives. Such are the paths of all who make profit dishonestly. It takes the lives of those who receive it. And so Solomon is saying, dangerous friends, they ignore the cost of sin. Like sin destroys others. And so in Solomon's example, Proverbs 1, what does he say? They want to murder and steal from others in order to, to profit. They would rather kill than work. And so they think nothing of taking the life of others to get what they want. And their path to wealth, power, respect, it comes through violence and it comes through robbery. Now Solomon, he's, he's contrasting kind of the sensible actions of a bird with the foolish actions of those who willfully engage in sin. Like if a bird sees a hunter spreading a net setting a trap. The bird's not like, oh, I'm going to take the bait and get in there. It's like it, it flees the scene is what Solomon is saying. But the sinners, they go, they think they're the ones setting the trap. They think they're the ones kind of putting out the bait, these friends, and that they're going to trap others and take what is theirs. And I mean, yes, there, there's an aspect where they're, they might get some of these things, but Solomon's going, no, they're, they're setting the trap for themselves. They're setting bait that they're going to take and they foolishly overlook the consequences of their decisions. They ultimately set an ambush for their own lives. And so Psalm's going, if a bird sees the trap, it flees the trap. And he's saying to this young person, if you see people kind of laying this stuff out there, be sensible like the bird and get out of there. Don't hang around in that type of situation. Because we, we can become so blinded by the lure of immediate gratification of getting what we want, that we, we miss kind of the harm that could come to us as a result of it. And so that harm, it can come in different ways. Like these, these people say, like, we'll take care of each other. But chances are these, these friends will turn on each other. If, if somebody will sin against someone with you, what makes you think that they won't sin against you with someone else? Put it this way, if somebody will gossip to you about somebody else, chances are they'll gossip about you to someone else as well. And Solomon's going like, look at the character of these people, these possible friends. They're going to be your friend only as long as it benefits themselves. 
And so th- think about those crime shows maybe you watch. Like a, a, a group of people, they commit a crime, and the, the, the detective, they get one of them haul them into that interrogation room, and he's like, I'm not going to talk. And then they start going, well, here's, here's what you're facing. Here are the charges. But if you tell us kind of who else was involved in this, we, we can lighten the charges. And what, what does that guy do? He, like, he sells out his friends for his own benefit. And, and Solomon's kind of going, like, that's the character of these type of people. They're, they're not, they don't really care about you. So Solomon's going, sin destroys those who walk in it. Numbers 32, verse uh, 23, it says, you may be sure that your sin will find you out. So sin, it requires lies and deception oftentimes, and a a person will get caught up in a web of lies. And what happens? The relationship gets destroyed because trust is broken. There's, There's guilt that will come with sin oftentimes, guilt and shame. And, and we, we don't often talk about that, but it's like shame, that, that can affect us um, mentally, spiritually, and physically. It takes a toll on us. And sin often carries a physical price, addiction, disease, unexpected consequences. So Solomon, in, in verse 19, he, he says, all these types of paths, they take the lives of those who decide to walk on them. And it's, it's not saying like, these actions are going to lead to their physical death. I mean, it it could, but Solomon's getting at something much deeper there. He's saying such actions lead to the ultimate end of the wicked, an even more profound loss of life. Because verse 19, it um, it says life there. But in the Hebrew, you can translate that into the word soul. And so what Solomon is saying is that sin robs the soul of those who engage in it. That there's consequences to sin that you're not going to be able to outrun. You're not going to be able to outwit it. Like Romans chapter 3 verse 20, or chapter 6 verse 23, says, for the wages of sin is death. I can remember being younger and I, I would hear those, that, that verse and some other ones like it. I'd be like, man, God is so heavy on sin. It felt like an overreaction because when we look at our sin, we, we tend to think of our sin as something that's, that's small, inconsequential. And we're going like, man, isn't like death and eternal punishment and hell a little bit of an overreaction, God? But we think of our, our sin mainly in subjective ways. But when we sin, it's rarely isolated to ourselves. When we sin, we sin against other people, don't we? And so, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, they're they're sinning against this person, and we cause harm to people that God loves, to people that God created, to people that God um, has created in his image, and he says they have value and they have worth. And when we sin, we're often doing this, or it's like, often is willful, and it's like, God is like, this is the way I want you to walk. This is what I want you to do, and we know it. But often our sin is this. I think I know how to get more joy out of life than you do, God. I think I'm wiser than you are when it comes to this. I know what's better, and we engage in it. And so think about it this way. If God were to ignore your sin or my sin, it would be like him saying this. Those people that you've harmed and destroyed with sin, 
You're, you're, even even the, the harm that you, you kind of, or mistrust you send towards God in sin. If he ignores it, brushes on the rug, it's like him saying those people don't matter. They don't have value. They don't have worth. But in God's eyes, that person has value. They have worth. He has value and worth as the most beautiful person in existence. And because of that, that's why he says there needs to be justice. Sin needs to be dealt with. And so that's why he says sin will be punished. As Solomon is saying that eventually sinners pay with their own lives. They pay for their sin. And there's life beyond this life. That your 70 to 80 years, that's not it. That there's life beyond. And so you have a soul that will live forever. And scripture says you're going to spend eternity either with God, enjoying his goodness and his, his grace and his provision and relationship with him forever in uh, his heavenly kingdom. And we, we understand scripture. The only way we can have that is through what Christ has done for us, that he offers this to us as a free gift. Or he says, you can go the other way. You, you, you can try and make it on your own, but you're, you're not going to make it. And so you, you spend eternity on your own, apart from God, apart from all his goodness and his grace and his provision. And you discover it's not nearly as awesome as you thought it was going to be. Like often people think, you know what, life apart from the rule of God, that will be awesome. And, and Solomon's kind of going like, eventually sinners get what they want. They, they want life apart from the rule of God and, and they'll get it, but it's not going to turn out to be nearly as awesome as they thought it would be. And it's like, think of it this way. As a kid, most of us would say things like this. I can't wait till I'm an adult. It's going to be great. I'm going to spend my money how I want to spend it. I'm going to eat all the food I want. Nobody's going to be telling me I can't eat ice cream for supper. And I'm going to stay up as late as I want. It's going to be great. And then you become an adult. And you're like, man, the dream. I'm not living it. Because you're like, I have to, I have to plan a meal every night for supper? And you're like, I, I don't even know what we want to eat. Like, that's one of the worst parts of being an adult is figuring out what you're going to eat for supper every night. And then you're like, you're like I, I could stay up late but it's going to wreck me for a couple days. Like, and so you're like, I'd get to bed on time. And then you're like, you, all the money you thought you would have as a kid, it goes to bills. It goes to taking care of children. And so it's like, you thought being an adult was going to be awesome. And you get there and you're like, it's not quite what I imagined it would be. And people imagine life without God and his rule is going to be great, but it will not be. And so I remember by being in school and what they would do is they would show us this picture of a young, healthy person. And they'd be like, here's this person. Then they'd show another picture and it was, it was the same person, but they were a shell of who they were. And they were going, this is the person before they began doing drugs. Here's a picture of the person after they began doing drugs. And it was kind of like, don't do drugs. And it was to kind of scare you out of doing it. It was a warning. And this is what Solomon is, is, is kind of doing in this. He, he, he's going, sin destroys those who walk in it. And so like a good father, he advises us what to do. And in verse 10, he said this, my son, if sinners entice you, don't be persuaded. And so his first advice is this, don't listen to sinners. 
And so these people are enticing this young person to murder and robbery. Now, the, the, the way that maybe some people come along in your life and the way they entice you into sin, it might not be murder and robbery. Like if your friends are sitting around going like, we should go murder someone and rob a bank, you made some pretty poor friend choices along the way. Just reevaluate your life in light of that. But they might entice you into things that you know do not honor God or exalt Christ. And Solomon's going, sinners or bad company can be identified by what they talk about most. So oftentimes, um, when we think Satan is going to attack us or pull us away from God or, or try and shipwreck our faith, we imagine it's going to be in this big, obvious way, like demonic oppression, demonic possession, and those are in Scripture. But the Apostle John goes, is actually way more subtle than that. And he tries to kind of come in under the radar, not, not so obvious. And in 1 John 2, 16, he says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And so John's saying the desire for passion, position, or possessions are the core of Satan's arsenal as he comes to attack he seeks to plant ideas and desires in your, your life more than he'll outright attack you. And he does it often through these everyday subtle ways, like conversations with people or maybe your, your social media scroll. So I want you to think about how do the people you spend time with think about and talk about things like money, possessions, people, sex, power. And Solomon's going, you know, these things that they're offering, they're a powerful force in our lives. We, we all kind of want them. We all want to belong. We all want to have. We all want to feel something more. And that has the power to kind of warp your sense of reason. Like m most of us feel that temptation in some way. It's like, I want to drive a nicer car than I drive. I want to live in a nicer house than I live in. And why do we feel that? Because in our minds, we're going, if I have the nicer house, if I drive the nicer car, I, I think I'm going to belong at a higher level. I'll, I'll just belong in some way. Or this, this feeling deep inside that there's got to be more to life. Maybe the car will satisfy that. Maybe the bigger house will help. Or you hear those scams, and it's like, man, I can't believe somebody actually bought into that scam and, and fell victim to it. But it's like they, they were hoping that there would be more, that they could get gain through it, and that's why they often fall victim to it. But Solomon, he, he's going, those things are going to be out there. You're going to be confronted with these things, but you have agency in all of it. You, you can make a choice. You have a decision to make, and you're responsible for it. It is up to you to choose what you will do. It says wisdom knows that what sin offers, it's short-term gain, but long-term pain. It knows that the cost of sin is never worth the long-term or short-term pleasure. And so in verse 15, Solomon gives more advice. My son, don't travel that road with them or set foot on their path. So he's saying, don't follow in the footsteps of sinners. Now, I want to be clear on, on this. this. This is not saying, I'm not saying that we don't uh, spend time with people who aren't Christians. It's not saying that we don't try to save people who are engaged in sinful behavior. Like Jesus was a friend to sinners. Like that's, that's one of the kind of the, the accusations the Pharisees leveled against him. It's like, look who he spends the time with. It's like, we should have people in our lives that 
don't necessarily agree with everything we, we believe. It's part of kind of how we reach out into the world. But the thing we have to be careful about is this. Do we influence them more or do they influence us more? Because if, if, if they're influencing us more, Psalm's kind of going like, you've got to be wise about this. You, you've got to kind of make sure you get in a position where you're strong enough to be a positive influence in their life. And Solomon's instructions not just be like, be aware of this, this could happen. Be, be on guard about this. He's going like, man, if, if they're going to lead you, if they're going to lure you into a life of sin, you've got to disassociate with them. And the book of Proverbs is, is about wisdom. And to be wise, you need to know to who to listen to, who not to listen to, who to follow and who not to follow. And this isn't just like for young people. This, this, this applies to every one of us in this room because if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves listening to people that are going to encourage us to do things in our, our, our homes and in our personal lives and in our finances and in our sex life. And I could keep going that, again, do not honor God and do not exalt Christ. And so this is why in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, he says, test everything that is said Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. And so maybe this week, like here's some application. Look at the music and the podcast you're listening to. What what kind of people dominate your social media feed? What is on your Netflix or your Amazon and your Apple or your Prime, whatever it is, what is on that watch list? What are you reading and most of us are aware of our own weaknesses, of, of ways that, I mean, we, we, we could be led into sin. And so what we need to do is be aware of those situations and avoid them that might lead us into temptation. So Solomon is saying, stay away from the paths of sinners. And why is he giving this warning? It's because paths lead to destinations. A path is going to deliver you somewhere. In the, in the summer of 2017, I was on vacation um, and it wouldn't be a Halifax Christian Church sermon if I didn't talk about PEI. Um, so I was on vacation on PEI. Um, and my, my brother-in-law, he said, let's go for a hike with the kids. And so we, we went to the Bonshaw Trails in Bonshaw, PEI, my, my eight-year-old niece and my five-year-old niece, my brother-in-law, and then myself and my son, Seth, who was about to turn six at the time. And he's like, okay, I know these trails. It's all good. And so like, I'm like, okay. And we, we go off and we're walking through these trails and it's all good until I'm going like, we've been at this spot at least two times before. And he kind of admits like, yeah, I'm not exactly sure where we are at this point. And like this, this, this walk that was supposed to be like 30 minutes is now pushing two hours. And the kids are going like, oh, I'm tired. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. Now we're responsible dads. We brought along water. We brought along snacks. We had just left them in the car. Um, and so it's like, it's, it's, it's going downhill fast. I'm on like Google Maps. I'm going like, okay, which way should we walk to try and get back to the thing? It's not really helping. And finally somebody comes along and they're like, okay, this is how you get back to the parking lot. And, and we finally did. Now, every time we're, we're traveling uh, to PEI, we drive past those trails. And I ask my son, Seth, it's funny every time, hey, do you want to stop for a quick hike? And he's like, no, um, I don't understand why. But here's what I, I'm saying. In Proverbs 13, 20, it says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. 
Do the people that you're walking through life with know where they are heading? Like, I, I didn't want this message to be like a, a cantankerous, like, old man up here going like, well, don't hang out with bad people. But that's kind of what Solomon's kind of getting at. And, like, I've seen the consequences of people's friends' choices. And we, we might go, like, I'm going to be the exception to this rule. But just watching, Solomon's right more times than he's wrong. That our friends are a huge influence on us. And so this is why in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Paul says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Show me who you spend most of your time with and I can tell you what type of person you're probably becoming. Show me who you spend most of your time with, and I can probably tell you who you're becoming. And the company you keep is turning you into somebody. It's forming your character for better or for worse. Like, as I, as I said, back in high school, my plan was to become a pharmacist. And I was a lukewarm Christian at the time. I wasn't doing anything that was terrible, but my faith was on the back burner. It wasn't a priority in my life. And my friends at that time, they were kind of getting into things like drugs and alcohol, and I wasn't engaging in it. And, and they weren't like forcing me to do it, but they surely weren't like encouraging me to walk kind of the Christian life. And so my plan was like become a pharmacist, seemed like a decent job, I'd make decent money, I'd be able to have fun and just like, that, that, that was my plan for life. But then about that time, my church hired a, a, a new youth minister, um, Ben Foreman, and he, uh, he kind of like took an interest in me and we'd hang out and I actually enjoyed hanging out with him. Uh, and we spent a lot of time together. And over that time, he kind of encouraged me, take a year, do Bible college. And so I was like, okay, I'll just put my plans on hold. And I went to Bible college. And in that year, my, my faith came alive again. It just kind of like, it just reignited in a way that it hadn't been for quite a while. And over the course of time, that led me into full-time ministry. And very few things are going to change a person quicker than the people they spend time with. And the good news is, though, you get to choose your friends. You can make wise choices. You can surround yourself with people who are going to help you honor God, exalt Christ in your life. Because the people we spend time with, Solomon's saying, they set you on a path and paths lead to destinations. And so why does this matter? Well, it matters for the here and now, for the temporal. Like, who do you want to be at the end of your life? Where do you want to end up? And it matters for the next life, the eternal. When eternity begins, who do you want to be? Where do you want to be? And our, influ our friends are a powerful influence on our life. They help shape our character. They set us on a path, a direction as we walk towards eternity. And these friends in, in Proverbs 1, they're, they're offering again, belonging, pleasure, joy, security. Nothing wrong with those things and it's something we all want. But they're offering them in the wrong way and in ways that can't last. But Christ comes along and he offers you something different. He offers you those things, but in a much better way. He says, follow me, be with me. And he lays down his life on the cross. He dies for your sin, but he didn't stay in the grave. He resurrected and what is he doing? He invites you, join the family of God. 
You want to belong? You can be a child of God. You're worried about the future and your needs? My God, my Father will provide for you. All that is his will be yours. You will be a heir of God, a co-heir with Christ. He will share it with you. You want joy? You want pleasure? In Christ, you find what you were created for. And so I want to invite you, if you've never made that decision, you can accept Christ. You can talk to me. You can talk to one of the other leaders here. We'll talk about what it means to accept Christ and how he meets those needs that we all feel deep inside.